Welcome to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and KRDP 90.7 FM. Later in the show, Jer Anderson will tell us about Native Guitars Tour, and we'll learn about Miss Indian Arizona with Sweetie Cody and Elise Marietta. But first, host Lanasha Pawati speaks with Sophie Schwartz, Policy Advisor for the Indigenous Peoples Initiative. I'm host Lanasha Pawati. Sophie Schwartz is the Policy Advisor for the Indigenous Peoples Initiative. Hello, Sophie. It's an honor to have you on our show today. Hi, yeah, thank you so much for having me. And before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with the Indigenous Peoples Initiative? Yeah, so a little bit about me. I was born and raised in South Dakota. I am Mini Koji Lakota and a member of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. Currently, I work at the Emerson Collective as an analyst on their political and campaigns team. So I'm based in the D.C. area. And um, I joined the Indigenous Peoples Initiative this year back in April um, and became their policy advisor. So I get to work closely with other members of the organization to strategize policy opportunities and to track progress of our policy priorities. The broader mission of the Indigenous Peoples Initiative is um, really something special. So um, we're dedicated to creating pathways forward for future opportunity and generations of Indigenous people And the organization was founded to promote positive narratives of Indigenous people and communities by working to remove stereotypes and stigmatism through accurate representation. So we believe that we can positively impact policies and work to end continued discrimination and uh, disparities faced by Native communities. And our goal is to build and execute innovative solutions that will stimulate change and promote policy that will create a better future for generations to come. And we know that the Indigenous Peoples Day is coming up. Can you tell our listeners what your organization is doing to celebrate or commemorate Indigenous Peoples Day? I'll mention a few things here. The first is that we're currently dedicating a lot of our energy to pursuing legislation at the federal level to get Indigenous Peoples Day recognized as a federal holiday, working primarily on the House and Senate Companions Indigenous Peoples Day Act. And so we will continue to strategize legislative pathways forward to make a National Indigenous Peoples Day a reality. Our organization has also had successes on this front in the past. So we were a critical partner in getting Indigenous Peoples Day recognized for the first time by Governor Ducey in Arizona and the Arizona State Legislature. Uh, We also worked with President Biden's office on the Indigenous Peoples Day proclamation that was signed last year. In addition to that, we're actively working with leadership in states on celebrating and commemorating Indigenous Peoples Day this year. And you can keep up with those developments by following us on social media or visiting our website. And can you share share with us what other work does Indigenous Peoples Initiative do or hope to do outside of the Indigenous Peoples Day? Yeah, so while our work has largely focused on Indigenous Peoples Day, we actually have six areas of focus as an organization. So um, I'll mention those. Uh, They are equality, sustainability, economy, cultural preservation, youth, and leadership. So as an example, our organization played a vital role in negotiating the Arizona Gaming Compact of 2020 by helping to broker that compact between tribal leaders and state leadership, and we're constantly working on and exploring new ventures that will help bring our goals and our areas of focus to the forefront and bring bring those to fruition. 
And can you share um, with us how the community could support or get involved? Because I know you had mentioned that you your organization is working on trying to get Indigenous Peoples Day a federal holiday. Is there anything that the community can do? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. I think um, we always support community involvement. Um, we always encourage people that are interested in that work that we do at the federal level to reach out to us. Um, I think collectively that we all at the Indigenous Peoples Initiative appreciate new ideas and routes for collaboration. And I think the best way and, and the first step to do that is to uh, just reach out and get in touch with us. And Sophie, can you share with us what organizations and partners are involved in your work? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. So we focus on ensuring that um, the tribes themselves are key points of contact and partners um, to us. So we put special emphasis on maintaining relationships with tribal governments, tribal leaders and communities, to ensure that our work is actually reflecting the people and communities that we are dedicated to serving. Um, so we do like to dedicate time to make sure that we're um, reaching out to tribal stakeholders and having those conversations and collaborating and convening um, wherever and whenever we can. And do you have any future plans for the Indigenous Peoples Initiative? We have some plans um, and I think the the in route to some of our plans are are scattered and we're always exploring new options and and different ventures. So I think one of one of our plans uh, that still sort of revolves around Indigenous Peoples Day is um, working even on the back end to see what we can do about state recognitions of Indigenous Peoples Day. So a national holiday um, is definitely the end goal and would be awesome. But some of our future plans are thinking about how we can better involve um, states and work even in in local communities around uh, the recognition and accurate messaging of Indigenous Peoples and Indigenous Peoples Day more generally. Um, We've had some some conversations about what more we can be doing on the uh, cultural preservation side of our work, and and a lot of that is still incoming. And I think uh, one area that's really important to note and highlight is uh, the youth portion of the work that we do. So I really think that one unique area of our organization is that it's a youth-led organization. So I'm really proud of everyone on our team, but it's actually really incredible to see some of the youth, like our president Dylan, for example, who really worked so hard to create and actualize a better future and a reality for both our generation and the generations to come. So I think being youth-led and centering and supporting Native youth makes our organization really special in that way. It makes it incredibly inspiring to be a part of. And I think um, portions of our work uh, should focus and will focus on engaging Native youth and um, fostering the the youth participation and the youth focus and um, the development of leadership and um, the youth in our communities. So I think that's going to be a big point of, of turn for us as we start to think about uh, what what areas of impact we would like to pursue next. And finally, how can our listeners learn more about the Indigenous Peoples Initiative and how can they contact you? Yeah, so you can visit our website. Our website is indigenouspeoplesinitiative.org or you can follow us on social media and all of our social media pages are actually linked on our website. So pretty easy to find. And um, if you want to get in contact with us, we also have a contact form 
on our website, or you can email us at in, um, indigenousbayaz at gmail.com. Well, I would like to thank you, Sophie, for taking time out to talk to us today to tell us more about the Indigenous Peoples Initiative. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, really grateful for this opportunity to speak with you all. Coming up, Jer Anderson tells us about Native Guitars Tour. Support for KRDP 90.7 FM comes in part from Native Health, with two locations in Phoenix, 4041 North Central Avenue, Building C, near the corner of Central Avenue and Indian School Road, and at 2423 West Dunlap Avenue. Native Health is also located in Mesa, at 777 West Southern Avenue, near the corner of Southern and Extension Roads. Native Health provides primary medical, dental, behavioral health, WIC, and wellness services for the urban Native American community. For more information, call 602-279-5262 or visit our webpage at nativehealthphoenix.org. Welcome back to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and KRDP 90.7 FM. I'm host Lanasha Pawati. Jared Anderson is a singer, songwriter, and guitarist for Jared Project and director and founder of Native Guitars Tour, providing a stage for indigenous artists and a space for Native representation in the music industry. Hello, Jer. It's an honor to have you on our show today. Hi, Lanasha. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, and thank you so much for uh, having me on today. Oh, absolutely. And before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with Native Guitars Tour? Yeah, so Kuwaiti Hopa. Greetings, family. Uh, My name is Jer Anderson. I'm from the Pueblo lands of New Mexico. Uh, Coach de Pueblo, to be exact. That's my tribe where I grew up, um, you know, just engrossed in day-to-day res life. Uh, New Mexico, Pueblo lands is mountains, farmlands, lakes, rivers, and a really close-knitted community. And uh, really fortunate and blessed to have grown up in th- that environment. And, uh, yeah, I, I just feel it's really important, you know, to spend our early years of our lives you know, where our roots are, where our culture is, and um, blessed to have have done that. Uh, But now I've moved um, and and currently located in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, but still only, you know, about 40 minutes from home. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And to get started, can you tell us more about what is Native Guitars Tour? Yeah, so Native Guitars Tour, um, something I founded in, in 2007. Uh, we're basically an organization that provides high-profile performance opportunities and resources, development for our Native artists. Um, I guess in its simplest form, we provide a stage for Native representation in music um, within the music industry. 
Um, you know, I feel like indigenous peoples are disproportionate, disproportionately outnumbered. And I think, you know, we, we need that support in the native community. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what we do. Native Guitar Store provides that stage and, and many platforms could be through concerts, could be through festivals. Um, we also host workshops and um, conferences as well as support conferences and, and, and do workshops for other entities out there as well, sharing our voice. You know, I think as indigenous people, our narrative um, historically is inaccurate, you know, so I think, you know, through music and art, we have an opportunity to correct that narrative and, you know, give more accurate accounts on what's going on in indigenous country these days, you know, whether it's, um, you know, our water, land resources, uh, MMIW, you know, clean air, suicide, you know, all those topics that hit close to home that we have, you know, I think music gives that opportunity for us to communicate that in one of our most basic and um, historical forms of communication, you know, through song. And we know Native Guitars Tours has a lot of different faucets. How did you come up with the name Native Guitars Tour when you do so many different things? When I was coming up with the, the name, it was real important to kind of be something that was very actual and yet um, that was past, present, and future, right? Because that was going to be a representation and a long-term goal um, in mind. So, you know, Native is a term that I agree with, you know, it's true to who we are and where we are. Uh, guitars, because I, I wanted to also, um, in, in our name, really communicate what we're, we're doing, you know, and it, it is contemporary music, it is my specialty, you know, that's my background is in contemporary music, uh, rock, blues, and so I, I felt like the guitar kind of communicated that. So that's where the guitars came. And it was plural, right? Because I knew it, it wa I wanted to have a community, not just to be one entity. And then tour was, you know, our, our future, you know, the goal that was to make this a tour, something that was bigger and we could take, you know, not just across native country, but across, you know, the world globally. And can you tell us um, more about the different things you are doing? You know, during COVID, it really gave us an opportunity to kind of regroup because, you know, for the past, you know, the decade before, we were constantly, you know, doing performances, live performances, concerts, festivals, and workshops and all these things. But um, we never really had an opportunity to really like sit down and kind of develop where we wanted to go and how we wanted things to develop and what our next steps were. So it, w it was really nice to have that moment and that breath, you know, to, to think about those things and also become more educated and, and educate ourselves in, in technology and social media, you know, so we can reach a, a wider audience. So that's, you know, that, that moment in time was really valuable to us and we were able to reach a lot more people and kind of where we're the different facets of Native Guitars Tour, you know, a big component is our live music, where we where we're able to showcase Native artists, 
But I, I think behind that, what a lot of people don't know is that we do a lot of artist development, you know, whether it's just through, you know, mentoring how to do uh, things during a performance, you know, how to get booked, you know, bookings, actual booking artists with other, you know, organizations, and then some business development as well, you know, turning that hobby into an actual business, you know, whether it be an LLC or, um, you know, some sort of business structure, you know, a lot of different facets in, involved and we're continually growing and continually developing and, you know, making sure that, you know, what we have in the future, um, that we're keeping up with, you know, the current environment uh, in the industry as well. And can you tell us more about your performers? Are they, um, or how they vary? Are they acoustic guitars, traditional? You know, we, we do focus on the contemporary side again, because that's, I feel, you know, there's, um, we already have a good support in our community with traditional uh, artists. So where I feel we lack is is the contemporary side, and, and that's really my strength. So, yeah, it's it's everything from a solo artist. You know, it could be a singer-songwriter with a guitar and, and, you know, singing songs and telling stories all the way up to, you know, somebody that's a violinist or a pianist, you know, a horn player, a drummer, you know, all those different solo type artists, you know, we support those in all different facets, all the way up through bands, two piece, three piece, as big as they can get, you know, different genres, you know, from rock to blues, to reggae to hip hop, um, classical, you know, jazz, we, we cover the whole realm of, of genres. Um, we feel that, you know, it's it's really important to have our door open to different artists because everybody has their own story and everybody has their own um, narrative that we need to communicate. So that's why we keep, you know, our, our, our genres and our types of artists. We have, you know, a, a vast array of artists that we have within Native Guitars Tour. Are you planning anything for the upcoming Indigenous Peoples Day in October? Yes, we got some really exciting things going on for Indigenous Peoples Day in October. Uh, October 10th is the exact day. It's a Monday. And um, we were out in Phoenix uh, earlier this year, and we met a great group of people, uh, Cahokia, at the Cahokia Art, uh, Social Tech Art Space there in downtown Phoenix, an amazing group of people. Uh, Co-founders are Unique Yazi and Melody Lewis. And, you know, they're just doing great things, you know, great things for creatives in in the Phoenix area. And they were talking about Indigenous Peoples Day. And they had one of their youth, um, Kiana, who was actually came up with the idea to have live music in Phoenix. Uh, so during, you know, my visit, um, we had talked about it and they asked us to, you know, produce uh, a main festival stage um, and also a, a VIP stage for a, um, a ticketed event. So for Indigenous Peoples Day in downtown Phoenix, um, if you go to IPDPHX.com, um, there's this huge festival going on and, and it has 
everything that you would see in a festival, you know, from food to vendors, music. There's going to be a skateboard event, film festival. There's going to be uh, mural paintings. Yeah, just, just everything involved in uh, a festival. And they're shutting some streets down in downtown Phoenix. And we're going to throw a big celebration, you know, so celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, you know, celebrate our heritage. And that's what we got planned for uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. Oh, wow. That sounds like an exciting and fun event for the community to go to. Um, how does Native Guitars Tours Tour raise awareness of artists as you work with? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, I feel as an artist, um, I, I, I kind of wear two different hats, you know, one as an artist and one as um, a leader, you know, for the organization. And I feel as, you know, wearing that leadership hat, it, it's important to leave that platform for Native Guitars Tour open for artists to be the voice of Native Guitars Tour, you know? So that's that's what we do. You know, we don't really take a stand as an organization um, or any uh, political or, or social um, thing in specifically. You know, we let the artists do that, and each artist does a great job at that. And, you know, that's where their passion is. You know, it, it's based off of their story, you know, like where they grew up, how they're doing in society, how they're living their lives they they know their culture they know their history they know where they came from they know an accurate narrative of indigenous people and that's what we do you know we provide a platform we provide a stage um whether it be you know a, a concert stage or a festival or you know a workshop you know however we can do it you know we provide that stage and we let you know the artist be the voice of the organization do you have any favorite success stories? Yeah, well, there are quite a few. And, and I, I wouldn't want to take credit for anybody's success. You know, each artist has put years and hours and, you know, their, their life's passion into their work. And, you know, what we do is we support those visions and we support those by providing a stage, you know, in those various ways that we've been talking about. But um, I guess one person that comes to mind that's been with us the longest, and it's really their success story, you know, not so much Native Guitars Tour, is uh, Levi Platero. I got him into some of the venues that didn't have minors in, right? <laughs> so some of the bars, uh, but he had to wait in the kitchen. You know, this 14-year-old guitar prodigy sitting in the kitchen waiting for his name to be called so he could go up on stage and perform. You know, and we we look, you know, like over a decade later and, you know, he's one of the best uh, artists out there, you know, not just indigenous artists, just artists in general. And he's a, a huge inspiration to, to many people. He's also, you know, one of the top professional people out there in the business and doing big things and, and you know, really showing and, and guiding you know, our, our family of artists as well. So, you know, I think that's a success story for sure, um, whether it, it's ours and, and hopefully we had some part in it, 
but you know definitely all all of Levi's hard work you know that's his success story so um yeah I, I just love sharing those stories like that because this is a great industry to you know really really communicate who we are as indigenous people and and where we've been and and where we're going and finally, where can our listeners learn more about Native Guitars Tour and how can they contact you? So the easiest form of contact would be nativeguitarstour at gmail.com. And our website is Native Guitars Tour. That's guitars plural. And there you can find our links to all our social media. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Spotify, um, you know, all the, all the major platforms were out there. Well, I would like to thank you, Jer, for taking time out to talk to us today to tell us more about the great work you are doing at Native Guitars Tour. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lanasha, and um, we look forward to Indigenous Peoples Day. Hopefully you'll join us, and uh, thanks to everybody out there for the community support through the years. You know, we really appreciate it and can't say thank you enough. And become involved, you know, we have space for everybody, whether it's uh, music, art, fashion, you know, where we got a, a great community and we got a, a lot of um, space for people. So if you're interested, you know, visit the website. We have submission forms for artists, for fashion, and, you know, always trying to involve communities. So thank you so much. Up next, we'll learn about Miss Indian Arizona with Sweetie Cody and Elise Marietta. Support for KRDP 90.7 FM comes in part from Native Health, with two locations in Phoenix, 4041 North Central Avenue, Building C, near the corner of Central Avenue and Indian School Road, and at 2423 West Dunlap Avenue. Native Health is also located in Mesa at 777 West Southern Avenue near the corner of Southern and Extension Roads. Native Health's annual open house and health fair will be Saturday, October 8th at 4041 North Central Avenue in Phoenix, immediately following the Native American Connections Native American Recognition Days Parade. There will be free food, drinks, and other activities for the whole family. For more information, visit our website, nativehealthphoenix.org. Welcome back to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and KRDP 90.7 FM. I'm host Lanasha Pawati. Sweetie Cody is the Miss Indian Arizona 2011 and current Miss Indian Arizona Association President. And Elise Moretta is the Miss Indian Arizona 2021-20-2022. Welcome, Sweetie and Elise. It's an honor to have you both on our show today. Hi, thank you for having us. Hi, Lanasha. Hi, Sweetie. Thanks for having us. And before we get started, can I? Can you both tell us a little bit about yourselves and your journey with Miss Indian Arizona? We can start off with Sweetie. 
My name is Sweetie Cody. I'm from a small town called Delcon, Arizona, in, on the Navajo Nation. Um, I was the 2010-2011 Miss Indian Arizona, and I now currently serve as president of the association. Um, my journey with Miss Indian Arizona has been a good 10-year run. <laughs> um, I was a participant um had just given up a title right before I won Miss Indian Arizona and I got thrown into a whole new world. I was used to local pageants and getting on stage with this, with all representing all 22 tribes of Arizona was really an eye opener for me. Since my reign, I have been a volunteer and then I became an association member. And just this past election year for us, I was voted in as president. It's been a really good journey for me as um, I love being a part of this association. I love helping participants every year. I've um, been a chaperone. I've um, helped in the dressing room. I'm usually the dressing room coordinator, so helping the girls get ready and making sure they look their best the night of the program is really uh, fulfilling for me because I get to be a part of their journey. And seeing everybody be representative representing their tribes is really wonderful and that also gives me knowledge too because I learn new things from them and I also get to apply that to my knowledge because I still feel like I'm an advocate for Arizona tribes as when I meet new people I'm always talking about oh well, did you know about this tribe or you want to know if I'm fat so Miss um, Indian Arizona the program has really helped me and I love helping a volunteer and I love my new position as the president. Thank you for sharing that, sweetie. It's a pleasure to have you today. And Elise, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. Um, I'll first introduce myself in the autumn language. Elise Marietta, Miss Indian Arizona, 2021-2022. And Og Oapchigit, Kenneth Marietta Bot, and Jit Oapchigit, Natalie Mendoza. And Volks Oapchigit, Marvin Marietta Bot, and Gaka Oapchigit, Carmelita Kisto Baldez Bot. And Baba Oopchigit, Raul Mendoza, and Luru Oopchigit, Marjorie Holiday. Anion Anjit Guki, Kuri Akimad. Hello, my name is Elise Marietta. I am the current reigning Miss Indian Arizona. My parents are the late Kenneth Marietta Bot and Natalie Mendoza. My paternal grandparents are the late Marvin Marietta Bot and the late Carmelita Kisto Baldez Bot. My maternal grandparents are Raul Mendoza and Marjorie Holiday. Um, my Akimodotan family comes from District 3 in the Hill River Indian community, but a little bit about myself. I actually grew up in a small town called Holbrook in Arizona. Um, it borders the Navajo Nation, so that's kind of my upbringing. Um, I had no really connection to who I was as an Akimodotan woman. Um, after I graduated high school, I actually decided to move down to the valley and pursue higher education. And through that, I was able to utilize my scholarship that was offered through my community and just networking and get wanting to find new opportunities through internships. I actually grew closer to my community and that's how I have an interest and a passion um, to serve my community now and learn more about my autumn, um, autumn Himduk, our way of life. And that kind of led me down the road to tribal um, tribal pageants. I never pictured myself doing a tribal pageant at all. Um, when I thought of tribal royalty, I never really pictured myself in, I guess, the beauty standard or the intelligence that they hold. <laughs> um, and 
it's just interesting to see the difference because I held the title of Miss Gila River and now I hold the title of Miss Indian Arizona and they're very drastic, but not in a bad way, of course. Um, it's just a different level of a different level that you hold yourself to and what people expect of you. And it's a good way if you want to have personal growth. Um, I find it for myself that I've um, been able to utilize the experiences and the life lessons I've learned holding this title and applied it to my own professional career. I, I currently work for the Hill River Broadcasting Corporation as a media editor, and I just really look forward to the future after I give off the, the crown. But, you know, the experience of holding um, this title has been so eye-opening for me. Um, I, I'm pretty much an introverted person. I never really took a risk. So the whole process of competing in the pageant was a big stepping out of my shell for myself. And I really couldn't believe I got the title, honestly, but I'm excited. And I was really happy with the time I've held. Um, like Sweetie said, you meet so many people during holding the, holding the title and to know that as a miss, he carry a platform and that platform is something you want to be passionate about. And for me, um, I'm passionate about encouraging people to practice self-care, which is finding the balance between our physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. Um, a life lesson that I've, you know, had to learn as a young woman and I continue to do throughout my life. So encouraging people to um, take care of themselves in those ways has been um, something I really am passionate about, especially after the pandemic. Um, I think more people um, realize that we have a lot of mental health issues that need to be addressed in our communities. And so to be a part of that message and to help people find the resources to talk about those issues has been um, a great journey for me. So thank you for having me. That's a little bit about myself. Thank you for sharing that, Elise, and it's a pleasure to have you both on our show today, and I'm excited to talk to you guys further about Miss Indian Arizona, um, but to get started, Sweetie, can you tell us about the Miss Indian Arizona and the process involved in competing? Uh, yes, uh, so I just wanted to give a little history about the Miss Indian Arizona Association, or excuse me, the program. Um, it first started in 1961 and it's been running ever since today this year is our 61st year and um, when it first started it actually started at the Arizona State Fair it was commissioned there it, it was sponsored by their program and it reigned there for about five years so our first Miss Indian Arizona Veronica Homer um, her she was our first Miss Indian Arizona was crowned there um, after that it was held at various tribes throughout Arizona, and then it finally um, stayed on the Colorado River Indian Tribe. It stayed there for about 17 years, I believe, and um, it was sponsored by them. So um, Veronica Homer, her family kind of took over and started building it to what it is today, and they're kind of, you know, the, the makers behind it. From that, we, we became sponsored by the ITCA with the Intertribal Council of Arizona. And with that, we are now a nonprofit organization. And we uh, currently brought it back to Chandler. So it's been held, um, I believe, in Mesa before. And it's also been held in various tribes, like I said before. And now we have it every year at the Chandler Center of the Arts, uh, located in downtown Chandler. We do about three to four days. The girls meet 
we have our pre-orientation meeting where we meet the contestants and we go over rules and regulations. We go over the contract. We uh, give them pointers. We go over how we, we're going to build the script. And uh, that's where we make a lot of our changes for what they're going to, where they tell us what they're going to wear, what their talents are, and that way we can give them feedback and what they need to bring or how to set up, and we kind of get the ball rolling. After that, we meet at our orientation during the pageant week, and we meet with the girls again. One of the big things that we love to do is have an opening number for the for the girls to kind of let loose in. This is It's not graded or it's not judged or anything. It's just for the audience's entertainment. And it's really fun. My year, we did um, a really fun, upbeat dance to Black Eyed Peas. So it's really energetic. It's very fun. It's just to get the the audience really into it. So that's one of the big things they get to learn at pre-orientation. So we have a choreographer who goes over the steps. Um, Every year it's different. One year we had a country dance. Uh, One year we had a, um, like, a swing salsa kind of dance. And one year, I think we even had a powwow dance, so it was really fun. Um, and then from there, the main uh, pageant night, pageant day, actually, I should say, they have an interview, and they meet the judges at a breakfast. They get kind of get a loose, get to know them a little better, and then they go into their interview process. Um, they are judged on that, and then they are judged on an oral presentation that is held the night of the the program. Um, their talents, they are judged on an essay that they have to provide before when they apply. They're also judged on a traditional and contemporary dress. Um, their talents can either be contemporary or traditional. It's um, up to the participant, and all that just kind of ties them together. So preparing for that is a lot. Um, a lot of thought process also goes into the dressing traditional and contemporary you know we get to do a ball gown kind of for contemporary you get to show off more of your contemporary side and what how you want to dress yourself as well as traditional um, you get to show your best dress whatever whoever your family makes it or you purchase it from someone you get to dress and it's really fun it's upbeat oh wow thank you for sharing that information sweetie and when is the the next pageant um, it's going to be held Saturday, October 8th at the Chandler Center of the Arts. We are opening it up this year. Um, last year, we did not have it open to the public, but this year we are. It's also going to be streamed online. Um, all that information can, can be found on our MissIndianArizona.com website. Tickets are on sale right now. If you go to ChandlerCenter.org, um, you can purchase tickets. Uh, we do only ask if you show a proof of the COVID-19 vaccination card that you are vaccinated, at least um, both shots, if not boosted. And we also ask uh, social distancing and masks uh, be worn as well. Going on to Elise, you currently hold the title of Miss Indian Arizona. How did you prepare for your reign? That's a great question. And um, now I think more than ever, I get asked that question a lot, especially from girls who are interested in running for the pageant. Um, Of course, you know, you want to be well practiced in your talent and your public speaking. So that was something I worked on. Um, I did um, my talent in front of people and got pointers from them, um, things like that. 
I was able to um, practice in front of an audience. That's kind of the daunting thing. Sometimes we can practice alone in our cars and things like that. But once you get in front of an audience, it's kind of a different, um, a different feeling and a different amount of pressure. So just being prepared for that, I think is important. And just as important, I don't think some people think about this aspect, but the whole pageant week is very um, taxing on your physical well-being. So to prepare, I actually took advice from a former miss from my from my tribe. Her name's Darylin Jay, and she encouraged me to be more physically active. So I started doing a little bit more cardio. Um, she warned me that the dressing rooms were downstairs. So in between your set changes and the competition changes, you have to go up and down the stairs. So, you know, if you're not prepared for that, you could be winded by the time you get back upstairs and then you're pushed onto stage to do your talent. And then you're not, you know, looking your best or feeling your best while you're performing. So um, that was something I took in great consideration was making sure that I was um, physically fit. And then also just taking more time to reflect and meditate on good thoughts. Um, because again, during the pageant week, um, everything's so fast paced. And sometimes that mental block can hit you when you don't expect it. And so to be prepared for that, you know, you need to say encouraging things for yourself. You need to uplift yourself as much as you can, because it can be a, a big mental challenge. I know for me, it was, um, and I have my whole story about that. And Sweetie has an incredible story of all the things she had to overcome during her pageant week. And unfortunately, you know, bad luck might be on your side that week, and we hope it's not, but it's something to prepare for. And if you're mentally prepared, it's not going to bring you down when those challenges arise. So just being mentally prepared and physically prepared for the pageant is something I encourage the young women to consider. Elise, thank you for sharing that great advice and uh, piggybacking off of what you just mentioned about Sweetie. Sweetie, could you share some of your favorite memories of your reign as Miss Indian Arizona and how did it impact your future? Yes, um, I think some of my favorite memories for Miss Indian Arizona was the travel I got to do to the various tribes. Um, I'm a native to Arizona and Growing up in my little bubble in a small community, um, I didn't realize there was so much more out there. When I became a Cindy in Arizona, it was such an eye-opener to see how many tribes are here and to see the beauty of it all. Uh, one of my favorite trips was going down to the Havasupai tribe and for their peach festival, and that happens um, in mid-August. And going down there, we have to fly by helicopter to get to the bottom and when you drive, actually, because you're on the rim of the canyon, you're, it's a one-way road. So it's literally the canyon is right there off the ledge, and you're driving along it just to park, and then you jump on a helicopter. One of the scariest drives, just because I felt like our truck was going to run off the road, and it was so beautiful. Um, my sister actually met us, and she hiked down and met us. And she took us further as our personal guide, and we got to go to the falls in the back, Mooney Falls. That's so pretty. The water is amazing. Um, just the most beautiful sight, and you can't even imagine how it looks at the bottom of the canyon. That's one of my favorite trips. A lot of the other trips that I loved was going to the small schools for their pageants uh, because I think with growing up, I was always the oddball of my family. They always called me the, 
the only Navajo of the family because I love to dress up in my dresses. I would go to church in my dresses. I would go to school in my dresses. Just to the store, I would dress up and put my hair in my CS, my traditional hair bun. And that's how I grew up. I always, that's what I've known all my life. So when I used to go to the small community schools for their small pageants, it was so beautiful to see all the little children learning and having those interactions with their culture and their language and their singing. And that's one of my greatest things. I have two small children now, and that's one thing that I put on them the most is making sure I speak to them daily in Navajo. That way I know that I'm contributing, that they're going to continue our culture and our language. And since we are coming up to the pageant, can you both share some suggestions or advice um, that you have for young women thinking of competing? We can start off with Elise and then Sweetie. Thank you. Um, I really enjoy this question because when I think back about advice that was given to me, I really took this to heart. Um, It really changed my perspective and this experience. Um, and I think this is why, like, I was so shocked to be crowned Miss Indian Arizona at the time, because at the time I wasn't after the title or after the crown. I just wanted my heart to be in the right place and serving my community. And I figured this this opportunity to experience the pageant in this way would make me stronger and I could learn from the other contestants and the people that were running the pageant as well. So I think if I could give any advice, just always meditate and pray that your heart's in the right place and, you know, whatever the outcome is going to happen and that's the path you're meant to be on. And I think in that way, I surprised myself because I didn't think I was going to be capable of it, but you know, you're, you're going to surprise yourself. It's, it's life-changing, honestly, to be a part of the Miss Indian Arizona pageant. Even if you don't get a title, it's just so much that you can carry away, take away from the experience. And that's what I was looking forward to. And I unexpectedly became Miss Indian Arizona. So that's my experience. And if I had any advice to give, you know, just make sure your heart's in the right place and um, remember that you're doing it to serve your community and be a representative of your family and where you come from. Yes, I totally have to agree with that. One of my biggest advice is always the power of prayer can be such an uplifting point for you. Um, that's how my mom taught me. Uh, anytime I felt stressed, anytime I felt overwhelmed, she had to say, she has to say a quick prayer and everything will be okay. Everything's going to be all right. So, um, and during pageant week, a lot of people don't, everybody I think just thinks it's, um, glitz and glamour. It's just, you put on a pretty face and put on a pretty gown or put on a pretty dress. It's not, it's really mentally, um, hard sometimes. So you're being critiqued, you're being judged, you're being put on the spot and, and taught how to do certain things. Um, a lot of people don't understand too that we teach the girls how to walk during pageant week and what I mean by that is we have a stage front for them so we have certain ways we want them to make sure they're looking their best and making sure they look their best and making sure that they feel confident so mentally that can be so hard when you hear someone say oh you're not walking right or oh try it this way or you're being critiqued or being pulled two different ways So with that, the power of prayer and just being mentally prepared, I completely agree with that. Um, The other thing I think is important is to have fun. You're here to serve your community, and you're here for a goal in mind. 
with the scholarship. I know a lot of girls do run because we give out a $5,000 scholarship to the pageant winner. So um, having fun and making sure you enjoy your time with us and that way you're not so overstressed. Thank you both for sharing those great advice. And finally, how can our listeners learn more about Miss Indian Arizona and how can they contact you? Uh, we have a dedicated website. It's www.missindianarizona.com. We do have um, a dedicated Facebook, um, a Twitter account. We have a Instagram account. They're all under Miss Indian Arizona. Um, I like to point out that we are, we do have a social media team who continues to stay in contact with the Miss Indian Arizona, the first attendant and second attendant, where we have monthly meetings and that we um, make sure that you're posting. We want to make sure our audience out there knows what's going on and knows what events you're going to. So that's one of the key points is you have to be socially active and that way, you know, we're putting the word out there. Um, those are ways to find us. And um, we on our website, we actually have a contact bar that you can request um, as uh, appearances by Miss Indian Arizona or the first attendant or the second attendant. You can request them at an event that you want them to come to. And we also have our contact information there with our web, our address and our phone number and our email address. And sweetie, can you remind us again um, when the pageant is going to take place? Yes, it's going to be October 8th at the Chandler Center for Arts in downtown Chandler at 6.30 p.m. Tickets are available now at chandlercenter.org. And we will also be live streaming, which can be found on our Facebook information. Perfect. Well, I would like to thank you both, Sweetie and Elise, for taking time out to talk to talk to us today about the Miss Indian Arizona and about both of your reigns as well. Thank you yes, so much thank for, you for having us. <laughs> thank you for listening to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and 90.7 FM KRDP. Our executive producer is Susan Levy. Sound engineer is Javier Quiroga, and our host is Lanasha Puadi. We hope you will tune in again next week. If you have any questions, please reach us at nativetalkaz at listen2krdp.com.